Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers, and their journeys to success. Welcome to episode 178 of the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today three-time Mr. Olympia, Frank Zane. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today Frank Zane. What is up, brother? Uh, thanks very much, Jeff. It's good to be here with you. This is going to be a fun conversation. Frank is, for everybody that obviously knows who Frank is, I mean, an incredible career in the bodybuilding world. And he's and he's has a mission on bringing the glory years of bodybuilding back to life, which I think is pretty amazing. Like I grew up um, going through Flex magazines, and like I, I I was born in '77, so that was when you won your first Mister Olympia, which is pretty amazing. Let's talk about Frank growing up. Like, when was the first interaction with actually lifting a weight or getting into physical activity? What age were you, and how did that all come to light? Was somebody showed you? Like, how did it all come to light with you? It was right around age fourteen. Uh, before that, I had an incident at uh, <clears throat> at Boy Scout camp where we were all sitting around a campfire, and there was a log there that was about five feet wide and had notches at the end where you can grab it. And everybody tried to lift it, and they couldn't. I almost made it, but there was only one guy that lifted it, and it wasn't me. So I was motivated by that. And so when I got home, I started lifting weights. And that it all took off from there. When did you actually start seeing like the results where it's like, even at that age 14, because my son just turned 14 and uh, he's been working out for quite quite a few years, but we just got a membership at a gym. So he trains with me at the gym now, which is pretty amazing. They start that age. So when did you actually start seeing results and being like, this is something where my body is reacting to it. And and, and how did that lead you into your first competition? When I started, I was working out at the YMCA uh, with, with barbells and I didn't really see much happening. But then I saved my money and bought a set of adjustable dumbbells that would adjust up to 15 pounds on each dumbbell and started working out with those three days a week on upper body, three days a week working legs, squatting mainly. And I saw results in two weeks. Muscles popped out everywhere. So you started quickly seeing the results. Yes, when I started training with the dumbbells. So why did you what did you find the difference with the balance? Like what did you find the difference result wise with the dumbbells? Well, there are more angles. You know, I would do things like dumbbell flies and what I would call around the world, where I go from a fly and let the dumbbells go back over my head, lying down, and then do a pullover, things like that. I could just do a lot of movements from different angles, and uh, that that stimulated all my muscles. When was the first time you stepped on stage? What age? I was 18. Actually, I went in. My first contest was Mr. Pennsylvania. And I didn't do well in that. I think I got last place. And it was because I didn't have points for athletic ability because I wasn't a weightlifter. But my next contest was Teenage Mr. America. And I got uh, third place in that, my first trophy. And so I was all fired up after that. On top of that, at the contest, Bob Hoffman, the father of American weightlifter, yeah. weightlifting, I was backstage pumping up, and he came over to me and he said, young man, 
if I had a physique like yours, I'd walk around with my shirt off all the time. <laughs> so that's all I had to hear. And I knew I was destined for greatness hearing that. And so I kept at it. When did you get your pro card? What age were you? My pro card? Yeah. Well, like when did you actually get like started professionally bodybuilding and, and stepping onto a higher level stage? There, there wasn't such a thing as pro cards when I so was. So there wasn't. Ah, huh? yeah. So you, no, every no. so every competition would just continue on a higher level at that point. But when I went into the IFBB, you know, pro was like when you got money for competing. Yeah. And I really didn't get any money for competing until I won Mr. Olympia the first time. That was in 1977, and I won $5,000, which, of course, you know, wasn't enough to pay for. That's about a month worth of training with that. Then the next year I won it, it was 10000 And then the year after that I won it, it was 20000 So it was starting to get into money in 1979. And then it just got more after that. It went up to, I think, $130,000 for all those years that Lee Haney won it. And then it, it jumped up to, it's probably close to a, a half a million dollars now. For So during that process, like, what were you doing career-wise, work-wise? Like, how did you balance that out? Because obviously you had to have a full-time job to, to pay for all the training and the supplements and, yes. and, and the memberships and all that stuff. Like that. What did you do career-wise at that point? I taught in the public schools. I was a mathematics teacher. Well, you're a teacher. Yeah, I did that for 13 years, right up until 1977, at which time I took sabbatical leave and trained full-time and then won my first Mr. Olympia. And then from there on, career-wise, did you continue in the fitness industry, like training other, other athletes? Like, how did you work from there on? Well, I competed for three years and won the title three years. In 1980, we opened up in Palm Springs an operation we called Zane Haven, which was a bodybuilding learning center. And we did, we filled up for 10 weeks straight where we take eight people's, eight people for five-day, four-night sessions and teach them all about bodybuilding. And we continued to do that. We called it Zane Experience after about six years. And then we moved to a larger facility to carry Grant Estate and continued in that up until about 1997, at which time we moved to our current location uh, near, San, near, near San Diego uh, in La Mesa, which is where we're at now. Okay, so my, my quick question with the one thing, obviously, that everybody knows you by is obviously your posing, your angles, and, 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 and like obviously the small waistline. Just your physique was a lot different than at that time, the Arnolds, the big guys, and stuff like that. How did you separate yourself? Like, how did you figure out like your posing and all that? Like, did you go through somebody teaching you or is this something you figure out on your own, your posing, your angles and all that stuff like that? I more or less figured it out. My wife's a good photographer and we used to take photos every couple of weeks, color slides. And I'd look at them and, and you know, ascertain which were the, the best poses and then put it together after that. You needed about 10 or, 10 or 12 poses and it wasn't that difficult for me to do. Do you, do you, what's your mindset when it looks, when you look at bodybuilders nowadays, when you look at guys that are, I mean, their, their, their off season is 300 and something pounds and all that like that. Do you, do you like really, really look at back at the days, like you said, the golden era of bodybuilding, do you think it's, oh, the guys are overdoing it now? Is it going too extreme? Like, where's your mindset? Are you, are you, do you like the way the world of bodybuilding is going? Like, where's your mindset with that? 
not something I would do. Uh, at my, I learned for me, it was best not to gain too much weight in the off season. You know, I would, if I competed at high 180s, one, low 190s, I wouldn't let my body weight go much over 200 pounds. So it wasn't that much that I had to shed, you know, to get into top shape. I stayed closer to the end product. And that was my lesson. That was your lesson. What was your interaction with like Frank Colombo and, and, and like Arnold and all that stuff like that? Do you have any good stories with guys like that? We were all friends. We all trained at World Gym. Uh, and it was first, it was called Gold's Gym until, you know, Joe Gold sold the name and then changed it to World Gym and moved it to Santa Monica. But we stuck with Joe Gold's gym, Joe's gyms. Yeah. And uh, we all trained there. And so we were friends when we were training. I didn't compete against Arnold until 1980. Before that, we were, he was, we were sort of mentors for each other. I was his mentor for college algebra and math because he was going to school in San Monica City College, and I would tutor him for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, he gave me feedback on bodybuilding, little things about posing, you know, but just all the smallest little details he would pick up on them, and that's what you need to know. And you know, we both benefited. How how was he as a student? Well, he did four reps. No, uh, I'm I, I, I'm saying with as as a, in the educational system in the school. How was he? Was he how was he with a student as a student to you? Like I said, he did four reps oh. after I would leave. He'd say, "I I'm going to stay here and force myself to do another another half hour of this." Oh, that yeah. was his forced reps. Oh, very, very so his good. Bodybuilding translated into his real life. And obviously that's why he became so successful career-wise with acting and all that. I mean, he had a he had a drive. Uh-huh. So what about Frank uh, Frank Colombo? I just found Frank Colombo such an interesting. I mean, obviously what he did career-wise and everything else after with the chiropractor and all that. I, I found him very interesting. How how was Frank Colombo as an individual training wise wise with you? Well, you know, he was pretty natural. I mean, he had a, a really good metabolism. And he had a, a strong torso development, you know, his, his chest, his abs, his lats were all, you know, came up pretty easily. He was sort of lacking in legs and arms, but, you know, he put it all together and uh, he did quite well uh, with the help of Arnold, I think. You know, I think Arnold sort of held the door open for him. Uh, 1976, he won it, beating me by, you know, and, and here's another thing. Who wins all depends on who the judges are, you know. And in 1976, it was very close. Many people told me I should have won. And I learned one thing. When a lot of people tell you you should have won one year, you'll probably win it the next year. And that's what I did. I stuck with it, went in the next year, and then won it that year, and then two years after that. So that was the lesson. I mean, Arnold gave me a lot of good feedback on my training, basically. Now, he knows a lot about training. In presentation so he was he gave me good advice was there one rival that uh, you had um that uh that really really kept you on your toes rivalry wise on stage competitor yeah competitor yeah i think the best guy i competed against was robbie robinson who was fantastic you know i i think that he sort of was the kind of guy who looked incredible in the gym two weeks before, but at the contest, he wasn't as good. Whereas I was the other way around. I wasn't really quite ready two weeks before, 
I was really ready when the contest came around. So I think the way he peaked wasn't as good as the way I did it. And then there was Mike Mens- Mike Menser too. He was a competitor, yeah, especially very, in nineteen seventy nine. So how how did you really tone into your diet like that? Like, did you have anybody teaching you, or is this just trial and error through diet? Did they really really keep that all the way like the peak at the right time and all that? Nobody taught me. It was all from personal experience and what I had learned before. You know, you learn by your mistakes, and I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So by the time I really got serious in the late seventies, I knew pretty much exactly what to do. How, how many years did you compete after you uh, won your last Olympia? Let's see, there was 1980, then 82 and 83, three more years. Three more years. So what, what, what age were you when you um, stopped competing at the Mr. Olympia? 41. 41, 41, 41. You know, you always hear athletes. Did you compete any more at that point or that was done with the competition no. side? You know, you, you always no, hear I basically, I was focused more on teaching it than competing you know i had already competed from 1960 to 1983 i think well that's enough of that you know i learned my i learned what i needed to know and now i could teach to other people and that was how i made my living anyway so you know i wasn't going to stick around in bodybuilding because i was already 41 and i had a a couple of injuries and i could foresee those getting worse which they would have if i would have kept plugging away at that at that level of intensity what what injuries were you were what were the injuries? Shoulders, lower back, you know, basically. Uh, when you, when you're training, did you did you did you focus on lifting heavy, or is it more you're looking at more of the reps? Like how how was your training resume? I worked up and weighed on every set. I went heavier every set, and I kept my reps between say six and twelve, for the most part. Okay. So why I was asking asking that was you always hear pro athletes, whether it's as a hockey player or a baseball player or a football player. I mean, they when they have to step away from the sport, I mean, you kept it because you obviously looked at the at you really focus on the teaching at that point and the educating at that point. But it's 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 a hard pass a hard way to just step away from a sport that you love so much right and 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 you and you find yourself still stuck to it and emotionally wanting to step on stage did you ever have that did you ever want to come back on stage no No, i was happy to step away from it yeah it was just a lot of it was a lot of hard work and uh you know basically when you have injuries which you're you're bound to pick up something along the way it gets painful yeah so i was glad not to have to step on stage anymore i was thankful yeah. Does uh, Eric, the trainer, ring a bell, the name? Yeah, he's a friend. Uh, I first saw him about gee, seven, eight years ago. He came to see me for one of my seminar programs, a three-day program. And uh, he's a real, he's a good guy. Yeah, I, I, had him on, personality. I, I had him on the podcast recently. Yeah, I had him on the past to the podcast recently, and your name came up. And he had a picture of you in his office, and he, he talked talked very, very highly of you, and as a, as a human and as a man. So I just wanted to bring that up because we I had a, I have a good relationship with Eric as well. Yeah, he's a good guy. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was very he was uh, very very fond of you. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you look at yourself, and obviously, I mean, take away the bodybuilding aspect of it. I mean, you're a natural entrepreneur. Since then, you've always been in one form or another working for yourself. Did you see that as a kid? Did you always have that 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 itch or grind to be an entrepreneur as a kid? 
Well, I don't know what I wanted to do. I just know, knew that I always did better when I was working by myself. I was sort of a loner with everything. I wasn't. It was not a team player. I played team sports, and it wasn't for me. You know, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do what other people wanted me to do. I had to do my own way, and so bodybuilding was perfect for me. I was the one that was in charge. It was my body. I called it my living laboratory. And of course, I had a science background. You know, I taught mathematics, but I was a chemistry major in my first two years in college. I guess that's how I earned the nickname, the chemist. Yeah. And I've always been, uh, you know, I'm more of a cook than a chemist. Explain you know that. the difference? No. A cook, a cook in chemistry is one who follows the experiment like a recipe book. That's what I did. And I was very good that way. A chemist is one who knows the entire theory of it and just does it naturally on instinct. I wasn't like that. Okay. You know, I was good at following directions, like from a cookbook. Yeah, interesting. I love that. I love that uh, explanation of that. So now let's take us into the past, the bodybuilding, obviously you said 83 on when you started training and, 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 and having your own facility and all that stuff like that. Did you, did you, was there any young bodybuilders that you worked with that actually went on to really, really high levels in the, in the bodybuilding world? Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. There were, but not to a great, ex- great extent, and not real young. Like Sadiq Kedzovich was one of them. I saw him when he was already well on his way. Another one is uh, Michael Hearn. Yeah. Again, I saw him when he was well on his way, you know, and I really didn't work with him too much, maybe just a few times. I would have liked to work with him more on his posing and presentation because I don't even know what that looks like because I've never seen a pose. But he's he's incredible. He's just naturally a big guy, weighs 266. Yeah, he's and a big just man. has everything developed. I think he could be the very best there is if he keeps at it. But I would love to keep working with him. So, Mike, please call me <laughs> if he hears this. <laughs> no, I can on. really help him out because, see, I've been there. He's not. So he, can, Mike, can, Mike's, Mike's got to be – Michael Harry, he's got to be in his I'm, – I'm assuming – mid to late 40s he's got to be up there he's 53 53. yeah yeah he looks incredible he looks incredible like you wouldn't tell his age but he looks incredible and he's still at it really really hard he's good for a long time yeah Yeah, interesting i thought you i mean i seen a post recently that he posted something about you if i'm not mistaken so i for some reason i thought you you two still work together so i'll say i'll I'll, That was probably from the last time he came to, to, to me and, and see me. And we, you know, we worked out together and I, I checked him out on his form on the exercises he was doing. And he's really good. He's got everything down. You know, he doesn't need much help in his training or his diet. He knows what to do. But I could give him some tips on his presentation, which everybody needs feedback on that. Yeah. 
So did you, uh, another one was uh, Lee Hanley. Did you step on stage with Lee Hanley or no? Haley. Yeah, Haley. Yeah. Did you step on stage with him? No, Haley. Not, not Haley. Lee Haney. Haney. Did you step on stage Haney. with him? Haney. Did you yeah, step- I competed against him. How many times did you step on stage with him? I think once. My last year in 1983, I got fourth and I think he was third. Yeah. And he was just a big guy. You know, he had a lot of good, like his back was incredible. He was still a little bit crude in this presentation. Yeah. You know, but he's done. He did obviously. I mean, it went on to be. He came back after the next year. He looked really good. I was there. I was one. I was doing TV commentary in 1984, the first year he won it. And he was really good that year. And then for the next seven, eight years, he won it. Yeah. So you have um when i was reading something about um that uh you've dedicated obviously the photography side and 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 part of the bodybuilding side really trying to preserve the golden age is that is that has anything to do with your wife you said your wife's a photographer is she part of that well she's the one that takes the photos and i'm not really the subject of that anymore but you guys are still involved in that no no we don't go to contests and photograph people Although we did for a while, way back when, but we're really not involved in it. Um, what, what a I, lot of good photographers still out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. What I, what I was talking about was the uh, Zane Gallery. That do you, do you still have that? No, that was uh, geez, about four years, five years ago, in uh, Laguna Beach. Yeah, that started up, but it never took off, and we had some disagreements among the people who were doing it, so we just let it go. Okay, so it never came about that. No, no. How with with the social media? How how old are you right now, Frank? Oh, seventy nine. I'll be eighty in about uh, about two two months. You look amazing. Congratulations on that. When you look at social media, and you've obviously, um, when I'm looking at your your Instagram account, and you've really, um, do you have somebody running your account, or are you still running uh, running it yourself? My wife does a lot of it. And then I have a person, IT person, who does some of it too. How so between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing how you've actually like, um, and when I look at other, like other bodybuilders or other people that are, that had a, a great career in their seventies and eighties, um, they, they really haven't taken it to technology like you have. And with your online platform uh, right now, with your, your coaching, your teaching, how, how busy are you with that right now? And how and, and what do you do with your online platform? I don't really have any kind of definite plans for that. I just post when I feel it's necessary, when I have something to say or find something really interesting. So I really don't have anything, no definite plans laid out for what I do or what I'd like to do. With, I'm not with, giving anything away. <laughs> You're not giving anything away. Be surprised. Just be surprised when you see it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. it. Where do you see yourself career-wise? I mean, obviously, are you are you are you like are you still actually actively working with clients, or are you are you more of a retirement stage now? Like, what, what are you doing? What's a day to day day to day operation? What does a day to day look like for Frank right now? It's pretty open, you know. I. Uh, I work out myself. I have a, a gym on, at my facility here, 600 square foot gym that has everything in it. And I work out there. My wife does too. 
and clients come to see me. We call it Zane Experience. Usually it's either one, two, or three, three-hour sessions. And I do those on a regular basis. Sometimes I have, I'm busier than others. Do you, and do you, when I'm not, I shoot archery. I have an archery range on my property. That's one of my, my passions I've done for quite a few years. So I do that a few times a week. When, when did that start, that passion? Right about when I started training. I was about 12 years old when I started. Got my first bow. And I was an archery instructor at Boy Scout camp when I was a junior and senior in high school. So I've been at it a long time. That, that, have you ever tried to, did you ever compete with that or just more of just a hobby? When I taught in, in uh, it was, I was teaching in, and I was living in Reading, Pennsylvania. And I went to the field archery range there and I competed there. And I got, I, I think I won a, a trophy. It was like expert class A. I think I had like a 401 or something like that. You know, you shoot at all these different distances at different size targets. And uh, I, I was re- I really liked it. I don't do any of that anymore. I just do it for fun. Did you ever do it in, in a hunting aspect or it was just more sport? Uh, I hunted when I was 15 and I did shoot a deer. But I, I felt sorry. You know, I, I'm not a killer. Yeah. And I re- that really wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I basically went with with a friend of mine and, and his father who were hunters. And, uh, you know, I basically got a lucky shot off and nabbed this spike buck. And we were eating venison for a while, but uh, it wasn't for me. I used, to sh- I used to roam the fields shooting at rabbits, and I would never hit them because they're so small. But, you know, I hit one once, and then that, I didn't like it. I didn't like killing things. Yeah. So, so you do it, like I said, as a sport, um, just for a couple times a week still. And it's obviously, it's a great activity as well, right? Keeps I you do sharp. It for accuracy. Yeah, it's that's the same. Amazing focus. Amazing, amazing focus. I got a, I got a piece of property, and that's something that I would like to uh, start doing with my son as well. We were talking about it recently. We bought a couple of uh, sets of some stuff, just amateur stuff, just to play around with and to see how he reacts to it. But um, I think check it's such an Lancaster, incredible... Check out Lancaster Archery. They're a big distributor of equipment, and uh, they have everything, and all the top pros go there too. Okay, very, very cool. Lancaster, I'll check that out. Through the process, um, do you do you have a book of your? Do you have you ever written a book? I've written several books. You want to, you want to talk about them? My main one is I have it right here. Is the talk. Zane Bodybuilding Manual? When did that come out? Oh, it's been out about two years, and it's massive. It's four hundred and thirty-six pages. It's everything I know about bodybuilding in here. How long did it take you to put that together? Like Ashley, did you have somebody help you put that? I mean, that's a no. thick book. My my whole life. Yeah. Huh. You know, I'm a writer. I, I write all the time. So basically, I, I have stuff that I've done, and I more or less assemble a lot of it. I, I did a bodybuilding magazine for 16 years called Building the Body. And the material I wrote for that, I, I have access to it. And I edit it and combine it and write more about it when I publish things like this. So that's, that's, the, that's the textbook. And here's the workbook, the Zane 91 day wonder body. It's three months, 91 days of what to do every single day, the whole training routine. And it goes through 18 different training routines in the process. And it's designed to teach you how to train. You know, it's, it's an education going through that book. 
does it, do you, do you get into diet as well with that or just, just yes. the training? Yes. But it's not about diet. It's more about training, training and stretching between sets. And the, the diet I handle in the manual, that all the tips about food preparation and eating, you know, that's, that's all taken care of in that, in the manual. So you said you've been writing your whole entire life. It is something you started from a young age was just something you had a passion for. Well, it's something I made a living with, you know, the first book I wrote, what was it? Uh, we, what was it? 1977. We got a, a literary agent in New York and he got us a deal with Simon and Schuster. And we wrote our, our first book, the Zane way to a beautiful body. In hardcover, then in paperback, we did a 25-city tour, and it was very successful. <clears throat> From that success, we wrote another book called Super Bodies in 12 Weeks. That was very successful, too. And then from that, we I wrote, uh, what was the name of that? Uh, I can't think of the name of it now, but it was the third book we wrote. And that was successful. I, <clears throat> I basically bought the rights back from the publishing company and published it myself. And uh, I sold a lot of that book. I sold like 10,000 copies in one year. Wow. Uh, Fabulously Fit Forever was the name of it. Yeah. Now, all these books are still available as eBooks. So I don't put anything out in hardcover anymore. If I'm going to write anything, it goes as an eBook because it's very accessible to people. Yeah. You know, it's a lot cheaper and it's right there and they can get it easily. Have you any of your books? Have you thought of doing audiobooks of them, or are they, or you already have them out audiobooks versions? I really haven't done much along those lines. I could, I might still do it. I mean, the, I mean, you look at the audiobook world and the podcast world. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, they spend most of their time in the car listening, and it's something that I think a lot of people could take out of, right? Especially your knowledge. I might do it. Interesting. There you guess. I have no plans right now to do it, but I, <laughs> I you know, think about it. Yeah. Knowledge wise, when you look at, like I said, I asked you this before, when you look at the world of um, bodybuilding nowadays, what's, what is your, like, do you, do you follow it now? Do you follow all the young guys and all that? Do you still follow it? I look at it on Instagram and Facebook. That's about it. I don't, I don't really follow it very closely. I just see what's going on. Is there any, I comment. Yeah. Is there anybody from, um, your air of competing that you um, still have a close relationship with? Uh, I'm in touch with Lou Ferrigno. We email back and forth. Yeah. I like Louis. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love what he does. I mean, everything he's done is, is pretty amazing too. I follow him too. Yeah. Pretty amazing there too. So where, what, what do you like when you look at yourself now and obviously everything you've accomplished, like, has there is there ever a moment, and I, and I and I ask people this all the time. Like, is there ever a moment that you sit back and like, wow, like throughout all these years, I've done so much. I've I, I've been on stage. I've traveled the world. Like, is there moments where you just like you pinch yourself, like what a what a career I had? Yes, but that only lasts about fifteen seconds, and then I think everything is not enough. I love that, and I keep going, keep going. I love that. I mean, that's a natural entrepreneur, right? I mean, I've been self-employed for 26 years. So you, you always, you always have that mindset, right? You, you, you always want more. You always want something else you can do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's crazy when I sit back and back and I mean, you, 
you entered a sport, an individual sport, which is makes it that much more harder and got to the top. And you were at the top for three straight years where, I mean, not many people could ever say that. There's only one person a year that can say that, right? Which is pretty incredible what you've accomplished. And uh, your legacy, obviously, with your education and, and what you're teaching, your books and your magazines, like you've you've put so much knowledge out into the world, which is incredible, right? So I want to I want to commend you on that. Everything you've accomplished. Where what what, what do you what do you see in the near future for yourself? Like what, where else? You said you don't stop. Is there anything you're you're working on right now? Complete enlightenment, complete and total enlightenment. Explain more. Well, basically, to have an empty mind. Totally empty, open to open to all the ideas in the universe. Not any kind of preconceived notions, just empty and open. And that's it's, what I work on. That's why I meditate, clearing my mind. And that, when did you start focusing on meditation? Has this something you've been doing long for a long time, time ago? Yeah. About the same time I started working out. So that young did, of an age, I, huh? A lot of things happened to me at age 14. Basically, I discovered bodybuilding, weight training discovered archery got pretty good at that and also playing harmonica which okay. i inherited from my father and i still do that you know i'm no pro but i, I like playing also i've learned to make bamf flutes out of bamboo so i make and play bamboo flutes i make what's called the zen meditation uh flute, the shakuhachi i made a few of those so you know it's a challenge i like so, making yeah. things so a man of many, uh, many trades. I love that. Why not? So you like doing a lot of things by with your hands, huh? Like just working wise and carving and stuff. You have a passion for that too. Say that again. So you like doing the, the you said you, the flutes and all that you carve them by hand, everything by hand. Yes. Okay. So it's just, it started off. The drill press. Use the drill press for drilling the holes. You know, finding out where they go is the best is the thing about that is to know exactly where to drill the hole. And I discovered how to do that. And that is basically, you start with a clone. You make a model first. You have one that you can experiment on and make whatever mistakes you can, you have to. And I rolled that. When you're drilling holes for flute, you always want to air on the flat side. You know, Drill the hole down further, drill it lower, because you could always make the pitch higher by carving it out, by opening up the hole. It'll make the pitch higher. So knowing those things through experimentation, nobody told me that. I learned it myself, you know. And so I made some pretty decent flutes. I love it. I love it. I, I love doing these interviews because you just you're always learning something. So it is it's, it's amazing that uh, that you had that. Do you, do you have do you have any children? No, no. Just children. a dog. What type of dog? He's a, a bulldog border collie, and his name is Poe. And we've had him for a couple of years now. He's 13 years old. He's a good, a good little guy. He's yeah. walking around here somewhere. Yeah. Unconditional love. I love, I mean, dogs, I've had dogs my whole life. My dad, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, my dad used to take dogs out of shelters. We always had two, three dogs running around the house. And, and since I've, I have a 14, oh, great. Uh, I have a 14 to 16 year old uh, daughter. And uh, since I got married, I've been married for 19 years. We've, we've always had a dog around the house. I mean, it's just that unconditional love is so special, especially around children and stuff like that. Right. It's just, it's just, yeah. It, My it, only complaint is they don't live long enough. Yeah, yeah, that's only last part. at the tops maybe 15, 16, 17 years. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and, and and it's that heartfelt miss, right? I was talking it's to somebody. Hard, about, yeah, it's hard I was talking. I was, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Uh, when um, my my 
prior dog passed away, Milo. Uh, he was 14-year-old lab and golden lab. And in our kitchen, we have a chalkboard. And my daughter at the time was, Sierra was maybe 11, 12. She, the next day in the morning, she on the chalkboard, uh, it's been four years now. She drew um, a, a picture of Milo and she put, we'll miss you forever. I love you, Milo. And it's been four years, Frank. And we, no one has the balls to race it off the chalkboard. It's still on the chalkboard four years later. And it's, and, and we have, a, and we have another dog and, and we've had another dog now, uh, Jax for two years, but yeah, you won't touch it because it, it, they fill your heart, right? It's just that, that, that unconditional oh, yeah. love is, is incredible, right? They don't expect anything in return. They just give. Yeah. You know, yeah. They give their love. And there's no nothing else like that. You know, people yeah. aren't like that. No. no. I they don't have that. any end game. They just want to love you. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I love it. Do you want to leave anything with our audience? How to how to get a hold of you? How to um actually let me ask you one last question. If something were to happen to you today, in a few words, how would you want to be remembered, described by your loved ones or your friends or family? Well, I guess you just look at my career and what I had to say and look at the stuff I've written. You know, I've, I've tried to do a good job with everything that I've written, and it's all in the books. And uh, I, 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 I'm pretty sure my life, my wife, will outlast me. She's a bit <laughs> younger than me, and she's very healthy. Yeah. Not that I'm not healthy, I am. But you know, she's got longevity on her side. Her mother lived to be like 98, and uh, you know, she's doing very well. Oh, you're doing very she well. She works out all the time. She she tap dances now, and uh, she's always doing something. She's very artistic and very talented. How uh, how long how long, you, how long you been married for? Fifty five years. Pretty amazing. Yeah. My my uh, uh this Saturday is um this Saturday is a year since my my father passed away, and uh, he was uh, my dad was seventy five when he passed away, and um, him and my mom were married for fifty two years. And it's, it's, it's a special bond. I mean, you don't hear marriages lasting that long any long, any no, longer. It's very, very days. hard. No, is your mother hard. still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. She's still with us Good. and she's healthy and strong. And uh, she was six years younger than my dad, but she's healthy and strong. And she's, uh, I mean, her mom is still alive at 92. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that bond is very, is very hard to see nowadays. I've been married for 19 years and, yeah. And I look at all my friends and and that I kind of went to high school and stuff, and most of them are divorced, most of them are separated. It's like we're on the odd on the oddball that's still married, right? So it's very hard to see that. But uh, I commend you on that, and I appreciate that. Obviously, the the love and the care has been there for all those years. You know, the Buddha only lived to be eighty. Yeah. Now that wasn't that wasn't the best record for his time because there are people living to hundred, and the disciples were sort of not in approval of when he decided to end it all, when he just laid down and died because he ate some po- poison, poison pork. And that was it for him. But he knew it was time to go. Interesting. Interesting. So, so are you, are you, are you really, do you really focus on Buddhism? Do you study it? Well, I'm a Buddhist if the cloud is a member of the sky. Interesting. Is the cloud a member of the sky? I'm asking you. Oh, is the cloud a member cloud, of the sky? A member of the sky. I've never had anybody even ask that or even heard that before. I would say no. It would be separated. Then I'm not a Buddhist. Okay. And if, if I said yes? Then I'm a Buddhist. <laughs>
<laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. So it's yes and no. So it all depends on, I guess, there's certain aspects of it that you you do you believe and focus on? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good common sense in it. I I, I know, totally agree with you. I'm very a very rational. I, yeah. Very rational philosophy. Yeah, I I thousand percent agree with that. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a very religious person, but there's aspects of of that that are um it just makes sense for day-to-day life. Just make you a better person. Right? You know, the Buddha gave these seminars are called sutras. He addresses a large audience and he expound, you know, he tells of his tells his teaching in these these uh, seminars that he did. And they're they're really some lav lav ankara was it lav and I can't pronounce this avatara sutra. Okay. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, they're all available on Kindle. Is, is where I read a lot of these. And, you know, they're really good common sense. And then there's some authors who write things about it, like Allen Ginsberg. He's written some really good Buddhist stuff. One is called Gospel Noble Truths. He said Allen what? Allen Ginsberg, G-I-N-S-B-E-R-G. Ginsberg. Jack Kerouac is another one. They're called The Beat Authors. Interesting. Kerouac wrote some really good stuff. Some of his uh, so she's, longer, so you've 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 like, you've you've put some time into this then. Well, I like I like reading things like that. Kerouac's Dharma Bums is really good. You know, it's, it's Buddhist overtones and all of it. And uh, uh, Ginsburg's stuff is good. Like his one of the lines from his uh, Gospel Noble Truths is, "There is one way. You take the high road in your big wheel." Eight steps you fly. Interesting. You don't know what that means, do you? No, I'm trying to think it in my head. <laughs> As you're saying it, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get a visual of it. I try. I'm a visual person, so I'm trying to get a visual of it. Say that again. There is one way. <clears throat> you take the high road. Okay. In your big wheel, eight steps you fly. I still don't get it. Explain that what's to me. The, what's the big wheel? The big wheel is the wheel of life. Okay. If you've okay. seen the symbol for Buddhism, yeah, yeah, a wheel yes, there yes, yes. With eight, eight prongs on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the big wheel. And the eight steps you fly, that's the eightfold noble truth of Buddhism, which starts with right thought, right speech, right behavior, right view, right livelihood. There's eight of them. Yeah. So you follow those and you fly. You know, you rise above all of them. Fly above. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're a bundle of knowledge, huh? Yes. yes I, am. <laughs> I, keep, I keep learning. I keep learning. I, I always say, I always, there's nothing I always say is I say the day you, the day you die is the day you stop learning. You're always learning something every day. I mean, I, I've, I've taken it. I'm running notes. I've taken a ton of stuff off this podcast. This stuff you're saying, your knowledge and, 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 and what you. But I'm glad you find it helpful. Uh, you're always right. You're, you, the, Every day when you wake up, you have to have that open mind that today's going to be a new day that you're going to learn something and, and, and take something, right? And and some of them you you stick with, some of them you don't. It, it is what it is. But, I mean, you're always going to be learning, whether somebody younger than you, older than you. There's so much knowledge out there, right? I don't wake up with an open mind because with me, there are dream fragments there. Things I dreamt about that I don't quite remember most of them. But the fragments are there, and so they sort of served as objects of meditation. Because what, what I do early in the morning is I, I meditate for maybe an hour, 
and I say a mantra. That's my method of meditation now. So I say a mantra over and over and over again. Is it the same mantra or different every day? It's mainly the same mantra, but I have two. What are they? One I use most of the time. One is called the, the Nem Butsu. That means the name of the Buddha, Nem Butsu. Yeah. And it basically says Namo, which means I take refuge in Amida. Amida is the primordial Buddha going way, way back. And then Butsu means Buddha. I take refuge in, you know, the Buddha, the teaching, the name, the life experience of the Buddha. Interesting. That's yeah. awesome. So I is say it, that. Yeah. Then there's another one that I say. It's, uh, I don't know what the name of it is. It goes, Om Amarani Jivantiya Swaha. So Om means, it's sort of like a greeting. It means, hello, you know, good health, good luck to you. Amarani is the name of Amida Buddha. It's another name for him. Jivantiya is basically your vehicle through this life and through all of life. Jivantiya Swaha means hooray. So, hello, I'm glad that there's such thing as uh, the Buddha and that uh, I can, you know, use to, to make me and the world a better place. Hooray. That's what it means. Om Amarani Jivantiya Swaha. That's amazing. Is your, is your wife, in, is your wife follow this as well? Not to the same extent as me. I mean, uh, she's... She, we used to call ourselves Zen Baptist. She was uh, basically, I was brought up as a Methodist and she yeah. was brought up as a Baptist and that's close enough. So, you know, we're sort of on the same page in our relationship when we met. Yeah. There wasn't any kind of dogmatic thing between us. So we, we always got along on that. We're not really, you know, hard, fast in religion. We're not, we're not stuck yeah. in any part of it. Yeah. I'm very same. And my wife's very much the same as well. I mean, there's certain aspects, Good. there's certain aspects I think of, of all religion, there's positives and there's negatives of all religion too. Right. I mean, there's different ways. You just have to be very open to what parts you want to intake and what parts you want to make part of your life. Right. The main thing is to be open-minded with other people's attitudes. Don't think that they, they have to be like you. Yeah. It's not like if you don't believe like I do, you're going to hell. Yeah. You know, it's not like that at all. Yeah. You have to be open to everything because yeah. somebody has something positive about them. Yeah. Some and kind of, you know, thing in their life, life experiences yeah. that helps them grow. So you can yeah. learn from it. Yeah. I think that's probably the one negative aspect of, of certain, I, I would say the religion in general is exactly what you said. When there are individuals that have that mindset, yeah. if you don't follow me, you're, you're the wrong way. Right. So having that yes. mindset is very, that's a very negative way. And, and I think that's, that when you look at religion and look at how religion affects and 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 predicts towards war and and anger and 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 separate too much literal interpretation a hundred percent hundred percent hundred percent yeah i totally agree with that this has been uh this has been an interesting conversation frank i i appreciate you taking your time i i appreciate you getting back to me uh like i said growing up uh, i grew up going through magazines as a kid looking at you and i'm 40 45 now 46 45 45 now i forget my age and 
And it, it was when I saw you on social media and, and our podcast has grown drastically. I mean, we get a lot of downloads and we get a big following in Canada. And I thought it would be such an honor to have you on. So it's been a pleasure, an honor. I want to say thank you again for uh, taking time out of your schedule to do this. This has been uh, fantastic. I hope you had a, an okay time on the show. Thank you. One last word is 100%. if anybody wants to touch base with me, you could always email me. My email is zane000. That's three zeros and the number one. Wait, I remember this. I won the Olympia three times. Zane0001 at AOL.com. I'll put that on all our show notes. I'll I'll get back to you in some some manner. I'll put that on all our show notes. And I'll put all their social media links and all that stuff. And I'll put a link to your website and all that stuff as well. uh, I appreciate that. Oh, 100%, buddy. 100%. Thank you so much again, buddy. Okay. My pleasure, Jeff. Good luck to you. Thank you, buddy. That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Frank Zane, for taking time. I was busy scheduled to be a guest on the Jeff Nozing Podcast. Great conversation with a legend, somebody that's accomplished so much in his life. If you guys enjoy this show as much as I have, like always, tell your friends, tell your family, help spread the word. We're trying to build something special here. Leave a review. Five stars will be absolutely amazing. Myself, my team, love spending time reading reviews. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward. <laughs>